Good morning. My name is Katie. Today's reading comes from the book of Revelation, chapter 22, verses 1 through 5. Please follow along in your own Bibles or simply listen as the scriptures are read. Again, that's Revelation chapter 22, beginning with verse 1. Following the reading, I invite you to respond in worship with the singing of the doxology. Parents and guardians of children preschool and younger, you are invited to escort your kids to the front of the room to join Kids Rock. As you are able, I invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. Hear the word of the Lord. Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. No longer will there be a curse upon anything, for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there, and his servants will worship him, and they will see his face, and his name will be written on their foreheads, and there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord. We're back. We're back. We're back. Check, check. Yeah. All right. So start over. Um, we're going to take a break from our normal sermon series. We're in the middle of Acts. We're talking about in good spirit. How does the Holy Spirit empower us to be God's people in this day and age? Um, to talk about the rhythm of summer and what the summer season can afford us as a faith community. Um, there are handouts on the, I made handouts for everybody today if you want. So they're on the clipboards next to you in the rows. There's like a little handout. If you're a handout person, you like to fill in blanks and take things home with you, you should be able to find one either in the pew next to you or maybe in the pew in front of you or behind you. This is an opportunity for you to um, sort of track with me and follow along. And there's even a couple places in there for you to write your own sort of personal notes and reflections. So um, if that's something that would be helpful, they are available for you in the rows around you, near you. As always, I want to invite us into a moment of pause um, one more time to be present to this time and to this space and receptive to the Holy Spirit. So please join me in that moment right now. Lord, in this space, in this time, we um, bring our hearts to you, our minds to you, our spirits to you. We ask that you would illuminate us, that you would show us your word, that you would give us a sense of this season of summer. Um, and whether we're in a summer right now or not, we are thankful for the reminder that the summer's come and that ultimately we will be with you one day in never-ending, um, forever reign and glory. We uh, look forward to that with great anticipation, Lord. Um, with our whole hearts, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I have a question for everyone. <laughs> what is the best day of school? The best day of school is the last day of school. Like, that's the answer, right? Um, the last day of school. Some of you have already had your last day of school, um, I think, in some of our school systems here. Some of you will have it this week. I'm sure that you know exactly what day it is. And if it's a half day or a full day, it's a half day. Um, you guys know because it's the best day of the school year. I don't know exactly what the best day of the school year feels like. What's the parallel to the last day of school? Maybe it's, I don't know, it's like Christmas. It's like your birthday. Or maybe it's like 
the way my kids feel when the ice cream truck rolls down our street, which seems to happen every stinking day. They come down our street to torture my family and our kids. This explosion of joy, right, and this excitement, like, oh my goodness, it's here, it's finally here, like we can go. That's what school, the end of school, the last day of school sort of feels like. And part of that's because summer's o- or school's over and school is school, and part of that I think also is because summer is actually so awesome. Summer's actually really awesome season. Summer is so awesome that some people are named summer, which we have a summer here in the room. So, um, which is awesome for us because it means that at High Rock we have summer all year round. So, we got that going for us. But normally in the world, in a normal sort of situation, in most places in the world, there are four different seasons. Summer is just one of them. Each season has its own rhythm. Each season is beautifully unique. I've already preached um, in previous seasons on winter and spiritual springs, and today I get to talk about spiritual summers. And as I said, summer is awesome. We walk outside, we feel the warm air, we get that burst of joyful energy, and we want to run. We want to fill up the water guns and go to the pool. What does summer mean for you? What does it feel like for you? Summer. For me, it's warm beaches, it's firing up the grill, it's watermelon on the front porch, it's falling asleep in a hammock, it's fireworks and baseball and road trips and canoeing and Summer is full of vibrancy and aliveness, sparkling blues, bright yellows, greens. The only thing I don't like about summer is that the sun comes up at 5 (laughs) a.m., which means that my kids get up at 5 a.m., which, uh uh-uh, kids, like, no, no, we do not need to get up at 5 a.m. No bueno, muy mal. Let's not do that anymore. But anyone ever go to summer camp? As a kid, you guys go to summer camp. Okay, great. Some of us went to summer camp. I went to summer camp as well. Summer camp is full of a hundred amazing things for us to do, like jumping onto this giant blob that we had at the summer camp that I went to and getting bounced 10 feet in the air by the kid behind you. Camp experiences, all of them, the music, the campfires, the competitions, the friendships that were formed. This is me in the middle um, singing with my life jacket on. These are my friends I made at summer camp. These were life-changing events for me growing up. I was a staff member here in my early 20s, and I didn't just get one week at camp, I worked at camp all summer long. So for me, it was a total oasis from the pressures and responsibilities of the outside world. It was time to slow down. I ate better in that season. I exercised more. I memorized scripture. I was constantly with the Lord. The Holy Spirit felt so close to me. Everyone at camp was kind and encouraging. I was in charge of the waterfront at the camp that I worked at, which meant that I got to spend my days teaching kids how to kayak or to get on Hobie Cats. This is a Hobie Cats, like a fancy double pontoon sailboat or water ski. Like that was my job at camp was to work the water. So it was pretty awesome. Oh, and once a week, usually I'd get to kill a snake, a water snake with my bare hands. Yeah. Which is just something you learn how to do in the Ozarks of Southern Missouri if you work on a lake. All that to say that summer has a rhythm to it like a feel and a vibe, not just physically, but spiritually as well. This morning, we're going to cover the characteristics, the activities of summer. There are four activities I'm going to highlight this morning that come along with summer, and then there's one danger that I want to talk about with summer. Like I said, if it's helpful, those handouts are near you um, if you want to take some notes as we go along the way. Okay? Ready. In the passage that Katie read for us, John is recording his vision of heaven for us, and it's a picture of summertime, if you think about it. There's a river with the water of life, clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flows down the center of the street, and on each side of the river, a tree is growing up, bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop of fruit every single month. 
the leaves are used, it says, as medicine to heal the nations. And it's this powerful image of abundance. So abundance. Kids, do you know what the word abundance means? The word abundance, okay. So abundance, some of you guys know this word. It's a fancy word. You can use it at home. Abundance means having more than enough. You have more than enough. It means full to the top and then overflowing out the sides more than enough. It means, as my two-year-old would say, you have a lot, a lot. <laughs> That's why he said, I have a lot, a lot. I'm like, yeah, which is the way he wants his lucky charms in the morning, a lot, a lot, which means overflowing the bowl on all sides and getting a huge mess everywhere, but I can't say no to him because he's so stinking cute. <laughs> trees don't normally bear fruit 12 months a year. You guys might know this about trees. They don't normally bear fruit 12 months a year, but in John's revelation, the tree of life has a crop of fruit every single month. And the leaves of the trees heal the nation. Heaven is like that. Heaven is summertime all the time, fruit in abundance. Verse 3 says, no longer will there be a curse upon anything. Because normally we have to work hard for our food and for our shelter and our resources. But in the summer of heaven, what we need is right there for us. For the throne of God and the Lamb will be there and we will worship him and see his face. There will be, verse 5, no more night. Because the Lord God will be the light and a light that never sets summer all the time. And we will reign there forever and ever. It's a picture of abundance. In his book, Spiritual Rhythm, Mark Buchanan notes that our spiritual summers are a foretaste of this heaven. When we experience summers in this world, it's a foretaste, a foreshadowing of what heaven will actually be like. In our spiritual summers here on earth, we feel God's presence around us like this warm light. We're aware of God's provision. The crop of fruit is right there. We can just take it and eat it. We have what we need, and we have more overflowing beyond. When do these things happen in our lives? When do we experience spiritual summers? Often a spiritual summer happens right after we accept Christ. We accept the grace of Jesus and we come into the family of God. And right in that moment, we are aware and awake and alive to the spirit of God in ways that we haven't ever been before. Energized, we're ready to run with God. In fact, one of the very first challenges we often face in our walk with Jesus is when that initial burst of life and energy fades. And we're like, wait a second, like, what happened? Did I do something wrong? Like, why are we not experiencing the same sort of excitement and vibrancy that I was a second ago? But experiencing the different seasons and having that season fade is actually normal and good. As I've said before, all of these seasons have their place. And the thing to remember about the summer ending is that it will come again. That's the key to remember this morning. One of the big keys is that the summers we experience here are not supposed to satisfy us fully. They're not supposed to satisfy us ultimately. They're all pointing to this glorious day when we get to be with God fully and forever. So summers are not supposed to satisfy us fully. Don't put that pressure on them, but they're pointing forward to this day when we get to be with God fully and forever. So spiritual summers, I think, happen after conversion. And in my life, I've also experienced summers when I've said yes to an invitation from God to do something. For example, when we said yes to plant this church, and we first moved back to New England, I was more aware of God's presence and provision than I had been for three years prior. I was journaling daily about all the God things. I was enjoying my kids and my marriage and my life. Like that was a spiritual summer for us as we said yes to God. That's the first activity of summer, to enjoy God's abundance. Like that's the first thing we do in summer is enjoy God's abundance. Often our walk with Jesus can feel really serious, like heavy. The burdens that we carry are, are heavy on us. We can feel exhausted with the work. 
And then sometimes the summer will come and it will burst in and give us a chance to deeply enjoy the life that we have in God. Of course, we still work hard in the summers. I was exhausted at summer camp at the end of each day. I collapsed into my bed. I was out. But it was the best kind of tired. Energy well spent, work worth doing, even without air conditioning. I slept deeply and woke up ready to do it all again the next day. In summer, we really enjoy the work that we're doing. We enjoy the play. We enjoy the rest. So when you're in a spiritual summer, the first thing to do is enjoy it, to savor it. Ollie was teaching me the meaning of the word savor the other day. To savor, to taste it, to actually enjoy the summer while it's there. That's the first activity. The second activity of summer is actually required to do the first activity. And the second activity of summer is to slow down. In the summer, we slow down a little bit, which is hard, honestly, because our culture encourages us to go to faster and faster all the time. Our attention spans are getting shorter and shorter. Experts say that we live in an attention economy right now, an attention economy. Each person has only a limited amount of attention to give. So companies, influencers, politicians are constantly trying to do whatever they can to get a slice of our attention, to get some of us so that we can buy or say or think something that they want us to. And the whole game is a race to see who can get noticed first and most often. Because whoever gets noticed first and most often in our economy wins. The whole system is designed to be distracting and chaotic, to make us afraid that we're missing out on something, to use fear to manipulate us. I recently heard about a study where they created vacation itineraries for people traveling to Washington, D.C. They just created it for you. And what they did was uh, researchers filled a 14-hour day with trips to all of the famous landmarks, to the White House, to the Lincoln Memorial, to the Veterans Memorial. They all had a lunch schedule at a famous restaurant. They all had shopping excursions mushed in there towards the afternoon. And they allowed people to make changes to the trip if they wanted to before they actually went on the trip. So people could just drag and drop things in and out of their itineraries. And the test was to see if people would add things or subtract things from the list, from the itinerary. And they found that 75% of people added more to their already jam-packed itinerary for their 14-hour day in Washington, D.C. They created plans that were literally impossible to accomplish, given the travel that they had to do to do all the things. But that's what we do. We think that more is better always. The result is we do too much. And what we do, we don't enjoy. Dinner time in our house can be stressful, Sometimes Megan and I will devour our dinners so quickly that we barely taste it, let alone enjoy it. In fact, when we order food from our favorite Indian takeout place, in order to actually enjoy it, we wait till our kids are all in bed before we even attempt to eat it, because that's the only way that we'll actually enjoy what we're eating. Ironically, it's precisely because summers are so full of energy that we can be tempted to move too quickly in them and try to do too much in them and miss the enjoyment of what we're trying to do. But moving too quickly is not the way that God works. God has all the time in the world. God is not in a hurry. God's not anxious or behind schedule. God's not scrambling to figure things out. Ecclesiastes says, 3.11, that God has put eternity into our hearts, that we're built with eternity inside of us. And God is, all, is not always driving in the fast lane like everything else in our culture is. So the faster and faster that we go, the more and more I fear that we're missing out on what God is doing in us and around us because we're not slowing down enough to notice. 
If you, ever, if you have ever suffered a serious injury to your body or to your spirit or to your heart, you know that it takes a very, very long time for those wounds to heal. There's an incredible song by a group called Common Hymnal that's named He Has Time, and it's all about God having enough time to sit with you and to wait for the even horrible hurts to heal. God has time for us. Psalm 46.10 says it, Be still and know that I am God. So don't hurry through a summer. Pause and enjoy it. There are practical steps you can take here. Scheduling fewer things is obvious. Adopting even an attitude of less is more. Sometimes it takes a whole afternoon or a whole day to appreciate the Lincoln Memorial, right? And that's okay. One thing that I've done is to read the same book of Scripture multiple times over, over the course of a few weeks. I won't just read it. I'll actually listen to it as well. And I'll journal what I'm thinking as I read. I'm trying to savor it. I'm trying to sit with it rather than rush through it to get on to the next book. We've talked a lot about breath prayers here at High Rock Haverhill in the past. Breath prayers are another way to slow down and even to stay with just one verse and see what the Spirit does with just one verse in our hearts. Be still and know that I am God. Lord, do something with that verse. That's the second activity of summer. To not rush. The third activity of summer is to not worry, right? Harder said than done, or easier said than done. Don't worry during summer. Here's what I think we do sometimes. We, we sabotage our enjoyment of something because we know, even as it's happening, that it won't last. You're aware, even as you're doing something, that this will eventually end, and so you kind of sabotage your own enjoyment of it in the moment. Life's good, things are flowing, but we're bracing ourselves for something bad to happen because something bad always seems to happen, doesn't it? It's like when our kids were babies, we'd finally get them to go to sleep, but then we'd be so nervously listening for them to wake up again that we couldn't actually relax even when they were sleeping. We can be that way in our summer times, so worried about what might happen that we can't really enjoy the moment that we're in right now because we're anxious. You with me on that one? Worry can kill our joy. Jesus explained it this way. Um, when he talked about how his disciples didn't fast, which we talked about a few months ago, they didn't fast because he was with them. He was present with them. Times would eventually get hard. They would eventually make sacrifices and suffer. But while, but while Jesus was with them, they would not fast. They would instead enjoy the blessing of his presence. There are seasons to fast and abstain, but summer's not one of those seasons. Again, I think keeping a healthy perspective here is critical. If we expect the summer seasons to satisfy every longing of our soul, we put all this pressure and weight on our seasons, then we'll actually start to worry about them too much. We'll start to try to preserve them artificially. We'll try to take some of the abundance and we'll store it up for later so that we can have it when we need it. We'll hoard what we're meant to enjoy. Not only does manna not store well, <laughs> we've learned, but we'll be anxious and worried the whole time that we won't have enough. But if we can enjoy the summers for what they are, a seasonal taste of what we long for, ultimately, a seasonal one, though, then we'll be able to enjoy them freely. It's an appetizer, with God being the main course. If you expect an appetizer to be the meal, it can be pretty disappointing <laughs> when you look at it. But if you let an appetizer be an appetizer, then it can actually be perfect for what it is. 
And I think the summers we experience are a little bit like that. So don't sabotage your own enjoyments of something worrying about how long it will last. Let it be what it is. To review, in a spiritual summer, enjoy God's abundance, slow down, and try not to worry about when it will end. Fourth, final activity for summer is to give God your best. To give God your best in the summertime. As I've been saying, summer is full of energy. We're motivated, we're active, we're connecting, we're enjoying, we're up early, we're staying up late, we're busy in the good, best kind of ways. Yet, yet, have you ever gone on vacation and come back home so tired that you needed another vacation to recover from the vacation that you just went on, right? So this happens to us all the time. Yeah, that's the danger of summer. That's the danger of summer, that we end up dehydrated, running and running and running until we're exhausted. We can thank consumerism for this one, too. Buchanan calls emptiness the worst symptom of consumerism, and emptiness is the danger of summer. Emptiness is the danger of summer. We consume all we can, but it's never enough. We still feel empty. We eat and eat and eat, and we still feel hungry. We're always wanting. We're never happy. We've consumed leaves us feeling empty and disappointed, addicted to pleasure, but never actually fully pleased. And that is not, friends, the abundance of God, because the abundance of God is actually satisfying to our souls. So in order to avoid the trap of feeling empty, we must give ourselves permission to say no to some of the busyness and some of the itinerary so that what we actually have left will be satisfying to us. Just because we have the opportunity to do something doesn't mean that we ought to do that thing. In summers, especially then, it's important to be selective about what you take on. We talk about this a lot here at High Rock, being aware of our limitations. We cannot say yes to every single good thing. Chances are you've already said yes to too many good things in your life, and you're either not doing them well, or you're not well as you're doing them. So be purposeful and selective about what you say yes to so that your yeses are full yeses. And I think this wisdom needs to come from the Holy Spirit. We need to ask the Lord, is this something that I should do? And then wait for the Lord to, to say yes or no and give us permission. Saying yes to church planting was a gigantic commitment to us. Saying yes to being a foster home has been a gigantic commitment for us personally. We've given our full time and energy and resources to these yeses. Ideally, each yes over here is a no somewhere else. Each yes over here is a no somewhere else. And I'll confess to you guys that I struggle here with this one. I'm a little bit too much like that vacation itinerary. I tend to add more things without subtracting something. I think that the more that I do, the better person or better Christian that I am. Honestly, I think I've probably said yes to too many things, as many of you probably can attest. The best way that I know to live within my God-given limitations is to seek the counsel of people near me. When I'm considering saying yes to something, I ask Megan, or I'll ask my other good friends, or I'll ask our advisory church council, does this sound like a good idea? right? And all of the yeses that I try to give, I also try to have a corresponding no. So to church plants, we've had to say no to living close to our family. To be a foster family and home, we've had to say no to leading together a small group, Megan and I. To start up Haverhill Book Buddies that I did last fall, I had to say no to participating into a leadership community group that I was invited to be part of. I can't say yes to everything. I have to say no to some things in order to say yes. Just yesterday, I was supposed to represent High Rock at a network meeting of the High Rock Network, but in consultation with all those people I just mentioned to you guys, I realized that in order to say yes to my family yesterday, I needed to say no to rep in High Rock. But even that got me thinking outside the box, so I asked Katie 
if she would go in my stead, and she was willing to go represent us somewhere else, which was a good reminder to me that often when I cannot do something myself, it's an opportunity for me to ask for help from somebody else, which is also something that's hard for us to do. But even in the yes that she gave, I think she enjoyed being there and it was good for her to be there. So my no became a gift of a yes for someone else. Summer is, I think, marked by this abundance, as we've already said. It's the most powerful characteristic. But don't run so hard and so fast that you have nothing to show for it at the end. This is spiritual summer. It's a spiritual rhythm that we will all experience in our lives. And when it comes, again, enjoy it. Take time to savor it. Let go of your anxiety and give your best to God. We are, in this moment, at the start of a physical summer we're entering into. And more than anything, I hope that you enjoy and savor this season. I hope that you enjoy and savor this season, these next few months of precious sunshine that we get here in New England. Make a real effort to do things and to see people and to have experiences that you will actually enjoy. Embrace and commit to activities that will bring you closer to God. May this summer be a taste of heaven for each of us. Of course, physical summer doesn't guarantee a spiritual summer. Perhaps you are not in a spiritual summer at all right now, but you're in a spiritual winter. Not feeling God's presence, not savoring life, not overflowing with any kind of abundance, but living with, with an empty tank, it feels like. If that's you, if you're not in a spiritual summer, I just want to repeat what I said earlier, that the summers are coming. That they come. The summer is coming. When Abraham said yes to God, he wound up living in a foreign land, a stranger. He had to live by faith in that time, not by sight. What kept him going was an assurance that he had, Hebrews 11.10 says, a confidence. He was looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by the Lord. So if you're not in a summer, that's okay. If you are in a blizzard right now, that's actually okay too. In fact, it's often necessary for us to go through those seasons. God's way is so upside down to our way that the coming of the kingdom of God requires upheaval in our lives. Jesus talks about that in Luke 21, that before the kingdom comes, upheaval happens. So before the summers come, often the storms. So when our lives are turned upside down, when we're really struggling, when we feel like we're about to go under, when we're tempted to abandon our faith in God, that's the moment to, like Abraham, look confidently forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God, not by us. I wonder how many times I've missed out on a spiritual summer because I was so afraid of the uncertainty of the future that I was unwilling to say yes to an invitation from God. And I missed a whole summer. So if you're struggling, know that the summers will come. If you're struggling, know that the summers will come. Both here in this life and ultimately the eternal summer that will never end. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this promise and assurance. Um, I suspect that many of us um, are not in a spiritual summer right now. The last few years that we've gone through collectively as a community, as a country, as Christians, as followers of yours, have been challenging and hard ones. Um, we have dealt with many, many blows and many, many storms. Yet, Lord, remind us again and again that the summers are coming, that it will not always be this way, and that we can actually be part of the bringing of summer. So help us to see the ways you're shining. Help us to see your abundance in our lives. Help us to not focus on all the things that we don't have, but to focus on things that we do have. Help us to be realistic about our limitations. Help us to say no to some of the good opportunities in order for us to say yes 
to other good opportunities. And may this summer, Lord Jesus, be a summer where we experience and enjoy your presence. We experience and enjoy this life, this world, our friendships, our work, our rest, and our play. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.